Well, hey, new friends. I'm just jumping in here to say, um, I hope that you feel the same way, as in that we are trauma-exploring pals together with a similar focus on moving forward with, you know, a less fucked-up brain patterning issue and all of that relational destruction. That being said, I'm not a professional. I'm not a crisis worker. I'm just some human who talks about trauma from the inside out, which means any information you hear out of this mouth is for your own personal discrimination, just like a friend's would be. Now, hopefully take this information and work in conjunction with your trauma therapist to figure out what works for you and what's N.A., but this traumatized motherfucker podcast community and social media presence is not meant to be a replacement for trauma therapy. I'm just researching, reflecting on trauma experientially and academically, which means I assume no liability for your getting triggered, enmeshed, or offended, or any of the subsequent trauma reactions thereafter. Me and the other motherfuckers in the blanket fort are here to help to be supportive and to offer acceptance. But boundaries and realistic expectations are important for everyone in the complex trauma game. And while we're at it, my recovery is as important slash exhausting to manage to me as it probably is to you. So I always want to hear from you, your challenges, your successes, and your stories to share them with the entire crew. But please know that I can't therapize you and any crisis situations need to be addressed immediately from an appropriately trained resource. But that being said, if you're searching for personal understanding, support, and maybe some laughs about our truly fucked up brains along the way, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Traumatized Motherfuckers, and I really hope to see more of you. My name is Jess, and let's be clear. I'm just a traumatized motherfucker doing my best. Cheers, y'all. I'll see you at the show. What's up, guys? It's Jess here. Just having a pretty chill Wednesday morning and enjoying it. So I started school two days ago and it's been trying time since then. Uh, I'll spare you some of the drama, but my life is always curveballs. Still, I've got to say, school's going well. I love learning. I love being in an academic kind of lifestyle. I find it very reassuring. Why? Because it's laid out for you. The expectations and how to succeed are perfectly described. You have a syllabus, you follow it, and you win. Nothing else in life really works that way. If you follow everything to a T, do everything you're supposed to, you still don't always find success. I think that it's the predictability of school that really makes me excel. I do what you say, I do a good job, and I am rewarded with a high score. That's about it. I like the fulfillment of just earning that, like, you did it, kid, kind of recognition. So I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I'm also really enjoying the fact that being back in school to get my master's in science in applied behavior analysis 
means that I have open access to academic articles again. Fuck yeah. For anybody who enjoys reading scientific articles, which admittedly I have avoided for a few years after getting burnt out in the science industry, well, it hurts when you can't access them again. You need that institutional login to use their library to see all sorts of cool, academic, peer-reviewed journal articles. So I maybe have been going a bit overboard since I have been able to return to my research roots. That being said, I'm learning a lot, and there is so much more to discuss with this fucking complex trauma journey that we're all going through than I think any of us can even begin to fathom. I'm constantly finding interesting articles, and now I just feel like I don't have the time to process and write about all of them, but I'm doing my best. So today I'm going to discuss a little research article that I found on freeze states. Let's just jump into it. I don't need to keep rambling. I think a lot of us describe getting stuck in a free state following a triggering event or a new trauma in our lives. I think most of us have heard plenty about fight-flight responses in regard to trauma and PTSD. However, freeze and fawn responses are relatively new in our mental health vernacular. So what is this freeze we speak of? Uh, you probably know, but you possibly haven't had the words or physio physiological education to really understand it before. So I decided to do some research on the sensation of being frozen in time, brains, and our own bodies. Let's talk about the cause of this survival strategy, the physiology of freezing, the impacts on our lives, and a piece of research on the frequency and duration of learned freeze responses using traumatized rat models. So first of all, what is freezing? In the short term, acute sense, freeze defenses occur because we're presented with a threat to our health or safety, just like our other fight and flight responses. However, instead of creating action potential to fend off our attacker or escape from the dangerous situation, the brain and body go into a maladaptive shutdown, a temporary or pervasive inhibition of acting mentally or physically. So I just have to say, I read in one piece of literature that freeze states are thought to be a more passive form of avoidance created by threats of that, quote, need not to be approached. Uh, yeah, I don't agree with this assessment. <laughs> when I did more digging, I found more detailed information that sounds a lot more accurate in regards to my own freeze experiences. This shit isn't a passive response because I'm not overly concerned about my safety or just waiting it out. Fuck, I feel like it's the complete opposite. I freeze when I am in threat overload, when there's no chance I can take down my opponent. So the better explanation that I found from Dr. Leon Setzer states that when the dangerous force is assessed as being too powerful to control or overcome, when there is no point in fighting or fleeing, the only solution is to freeze. 
I mean, the sufferer is overwhelmed. There is no way to even process or integrate the flood of information and stimulation flooding the brain. And therefore, they fall into a self-paralysis as a last-ditch measure to be unseen. So I think of the scene in Jurassic Park when they're being chased by that T-Rex. Don't move. She can't see you. Freeze, motherfucker. In more practical examples in real life, people describe freezing in major disasters and accidents, seeing a tidal wave quickly approaching, experiencing the seconds before a car wreck, watching an armed gunman take aim in a public place. If you can't run, if you can't hide, you have to wait it out and hope for the event to pass. So these paralyzing events are a function of your survival system, as usual. Your brain attempts to dissociate from the event to such a degree that you become physically impaired. Physiologically speaking, as endorphins pump through your body, they serve to numb your sensations like an analgesic. It's another mechanism of your brain protecting you from danger to your physical being and mental fortitude. Just shut off the physical discomfort, disable the instinct to run, and turn down the extraneous functions of the brain until this event is over. Well, what happens when you have trigger-happy freeze responses? I think that the freeze response makes plenty of sense when we're talking about natural disasters or periods of violent aggression. But the problem is, as complex trauma sufferers, our defense responses are a bit trigger-happy, let's say. We've learned to be on the lookout for danger around every turn. Our survival pathways are highly trafficked, and our brain's most primitive fear response compartments, often referred to as our lizard brains, have been a bit overdeveloped thanks to all that extra activity. This means for trauma sufferers, the freeze response defense seems to be amplified beyond the scope of imminent physical harm. So even personal relationship challenges or normal daily stresses or triggering dreams can elicit a freeze response, i.e. when confronted with a belligerent partner or an accusatory coworker, experiencing a mentally blank sensation and temporary physical immobility. This response can be, well, infuriating to the other party, who often neglects to understand why the traumatized individual has suddenly fallen deaf and mute. And at the same time, the freeze defense mechanism is baffling and involuntary to the trauma sufferer themselves. I'm sure we've all been in these shoes before, suddenly tongue-tied, unable to form new thoughts, shocked into physical immobility. A deer in the headlights. When you can't thaw. The bigger problem is sometimes our freeze responses don't instantaneously come and go. Even after the interpreted threat has passed, the freeze remains. So rather than having a few seconds of waiting with bated breath, we can be left breathless for hours, days, or more. Sometimes this freeze response seems to latch on and become a lasting source of personal malfunction. These prolonged freeze states include a multi-dysfunctional breakdown ranging from physical to mental symptoms, with many people describing feeling blank, disconnected, and trapped. 
in their brains and bodies. Some may describe an experience of staring off at a wall or ceiling, being void of thought or physical presence, unable to formulate new thoughts or integrate the information they've already been presented. Some may even experience physical catatonia, the prolonged inability to voluntarily move. These lasting freeze responses are closely related to clinical depression and often go hand in hand with agoraphobic behaviors, along with other maladaptive avoidant behaviors. For trauma sufferers, perceived threats can present as panic attacks, obsessive behaviors, and phobias, all of which fall into the category of paralyzing responses. Obviously, these significant freeze responses aren't rapidly transient. They can become lifelong disorders for the individual. All of this is to say, motherfuckers talk a lot about being triggered and falling into a relatively long-term freeze state. Rather than having a momentary response to the stimulus, they are catapulted into days, weeks, or months of freeze behaviors. This generally includes long periods of isolating or falling off the grid, canceling social plans, neglecting life obligations, feeling chronically exhausted, having a sensation of being dizzy or off balance, falling ill, finding normal tasks impossible, and dissociating entirely from their surroundings. Over extremely extended periods of time, lasting months or years, this is something I have often described as life stagnancy. In general, I'm referring to the deeply depressed states we experience during which we suffer from mental overwhelm, physical dissociation, and an inability to see things with realistic, big picture thinking. Rather, we're trapped in anxious spirals when we're able to form any thoughts at all. And during this experience, we often let our aspirations personal living standards, and relationships fall by the wayside as all aspects of life deteriorate. Our brains are effectively outfishing on the anxiety coasts. In my life, I have experienced this deep freeze in response to domestic conflict, employment drama, and relationship dissolutions more time than I could even begin to estimate. These triggering events essentially seem to blow a fuse in my brain's electrical box, creating a defensive, shut-down response. My mind is a void of white space, my body is a flutter with anxiety, but unable to send electrical currents to appropriate muscles. The connection between my brain and mouth are severed. Immediately, I only crave one thing. Alone time in silence. The longer, on the longer term, I desire isolation void of any obligation and comforting coping mechanisms, such as piles of snacks. Let me lay here until I die. I can't handle another thing without exploding. These are the times when I've given up on my career and educational aspirations, when I've neglected all my important relationships without explanation, and when my body has slipped several notches toward muscle wasting and stress-characterized weight gain right around my gut. Does this sound familiar? Sorry, fucker. Just when you thought fight-flight responses were disturbing enough, now you're finding out that it's also possible to effectively fall into a tar pit and wait for the sweet relief of death as your brain tells you escape is futile. Fucking great. 
So let's do some research. Journal club time. What does science have to say about this freeze behavior? Is it, quote, real, or are we just depressive snowflakes trying to make excuses for our broken bootstraps? Well, to get to the research, I read this cool article this morning about testing the relationship between complex trauma and conditioned fear in later fear responses using rats. Briefly, researchers attempted to recreate the conditions of complex trauma by exposing infantile rats to three different relational and environmental stresses at various points during their development. As we know, complex trauma necessitates a variety of traumatic events throughout development. So the researchers recreated rat aces through removing them from their mothers, isolating them from their litter mates, and subjecting them to foot electroshock at several points in their young lives. Conversely, they exposed another group of rats to only one form of stress at a single point in development, the foot electroshock experiment during their adolescent phase of life. And lastly, there was a control group of rodents who escaped all forms of laboratory stress. Lucky little turds. So after creating these traumatic brain patterns in rats, they tested the rodents for maladaptive freeze responses and distress cries, known as ultrasonic vocalizations, when placed in a dangerous environment, the electroshock chamber. This served to assess the rat's potential for fear responses as a function of prior traumatic experiences. So as you can imagine, the two groups of rats who underwent both complex trauma treatment and fear conditioning responded to the electroshock environment with strongly heightened freeze responses and fearful vocalizations, much greater in comparison to the control group of rats who had never experienced the electroshock themselves. The number of freeze responses wasn't significant between the two groups of fear-conditioned rats. However, the duration of the fear response was statistically significant. The rats who received complex trauma treatment exhibited a prolonged freeze response in comparison to the fear-conditioned rats when they perceived a threat. So, what does this rat model mean for human beings? The study demonstrates that the rats who experienced an early life consistent with complex trauma were not more likely to demonstrate a freeze response than the acutely traumatized group under the same conditions, but they were more likely to experience an extended freeze response. Researchers note that this heightened learned fear response characterized by freezing behaviors is an appropriate coping strategy that subjects the individual, an inappropriate coping strategy that subjects the individual to inherent risk of physical harm. It increases the chance for additional harm to befall the victim, i.e. if you freeze at an inappropriate time due to trigger happy fear response and it persists longer than necessary, you are more likely to be impacted by an avoidable danger. 
Further research is definitely required to make heads and tails of the implications of this research. And admitted by themselves, the researchers state there are several shortcomings of the research, including using a strictly male participant pool and the necessity for hormonal assays to detect cortisol. So let's make some conclusions though. Shortcomings aside, for me, this study helps to paint a functional picture for complex trauma versus PTSD sufferers. For those of us who have felt impaired or handicapped by our brain and body responses during overwhelmed or fearful times, I believe this paper lends a hand in explaining the dissociative, catatonic, and depressive states that overturn our regular lives. Feeling incapable of creating rational thoughts making behavioral changes or changing our circumstances spirals into one of the key components of complex trauma. Learned helplessness. When life is interpreted as being too overwhelming and powerful to make any changes, or when there is no point in fighting or fleeing, well, we fall headfirst into forfeit. In practical terms, if you freeze in an acute domestic abuse scenario, you are more likely to be physically harmed by the threat. Long term, if the freeze response is implemented over years, rather than escaping from the domestic danger, the victim will not remove themselves from the situation. They will instead embody what we call learned helplessness, feeling incapable of helping themselves. Furthermore, these perceived personal shortcomings, which are a function of deep freeze states, can also become a major source of shame, another important part of complex trauma. With the addition of shame to our fearful freeze responses, we are all the more likely to isolate ourselves and cut off our personal relationships. We're unlikely to reach out for help as admission of shame is seen as an even greater source of shame because it potentially invites the opportunity for interpersonal rejection. So in this way, free states deeply complicate the potential for trauma disclosure or recovery efforts. It's pretty hard to see a therapist when you're too mentally overwhelmed to open a phone book, too terrified to physically leave the house, and too ashamed to tell anyone what you're going through. Let's wrap this shit up. You already know. Complex trauma is a multidimensional disorder that requires a great deal of research. Fully elucidating these long-term lasting effects of childhood trauma in strongly correlational mental and physical responses is definitely challenging for researchers and psychology professionals and us traumatized motherfuckers alike. Reading scientific articles about animal behaviorism doesn't always form a complete picture when the effects of pervasive trauma have such breadth and depth in a human lifetime, but for what it's worth, well, I believe that it really helps to see some laboratory results which confirm what we have already lived through. At least I know it removes a tiny portion of the shame I experience as I endure my own acute and chronic freeze states. So a big thank you to the researchers and the poor rats behind this paper. Those little buddies and their electrocuted feet deserve a shout out. The paper is called Maladaptive Alterations of Defensive Response Following Developmental Complex Stress in Rats, 
and I can get that to you if you're interested. What are your tips for escaping free states though? Like, do you have any idea how you can break yourself of that blank feeling and get moving again? What are the common freeze triggers that people go through? What makes you shut down and detach from the world? How does it present in your life in the long or short term? Have you ever felt like a deer in the headlights? Have you ever been screamed at for being unable to respond in a quote appropriate amount of time to somebody's beratement? Have you ever found yourself shut down for, oh, I don't know, years of your life, unable to think or move? Well, please share your experience if you have. You can come find me at t-mfrs.com. There's a ton of ways to contact me through the site, from an email address to a contact form to submission forms to report on your own experience. So head over to t-mfrs.com, take a look at the blog, jump into the Discord community, subscribe to the newsletter. Let me know that you're listening and what I can do to try to help. All right, fuckers, I'm out of here. I hope that no one is going through a freeze response today and also that these rats, well, I know that they didn't live a happier, healthy life after this, but praise be to those little spirits and their freeze responses. All right, guys, I'm out. I will talk to you again soon. Goodbye. You think it's shoving moments We can't do anything The fucking joke is We're winning when you blink It's shoving moments Lousy with victory We're not